Welcome back to Charlottesville Soundboard, your source for news, culture, and community issues in Central Virginia. I'm your host, Mary Garner McGee. Soundboard airs every Saturday at 6 a.m. on WTJU 91.1 FM. Soundboard also comes to you as a podcast that belongs to the Virginia Audio Collective. Tune in, subscribe, and find out what's happening in your community and around the state. This week on Soundboard, we talk to UVA professor Jelaine Schmidt. She's one of the organizers for this year's Liberation and Freedom Days, which kick off on Sunday, March 1st. Now you might hear a little bit of background music, especially towards the end of the interview. That's the sound of Lindsay Liu sound checking downstairs. As you all know, we're a very vibrant radio station here at WTJU, and if you haven't come to one of our many live performances, consider those tunes in the background to be your invitation. All right, on to Jelaine Schmidt and Liberation and Freedom Days. The history is that most of the community here was enslaved. Most people here were elated and relieved and jubilant when Union troops arrived, and we have the receipts to prove it. I'm Jelaine Schmidt, Associate Professor of Religious Studies at the University of Virginia. Today we're going to talk about Liberation and Freedom Days. For people who aren't familiar, what are Liberation and Freedom Days in Charlottesville? Yeah, well, uh, this is kind of Charlottesville's Juneteenth celebration, if you will. It's when we commemorate the arrival of Union troops into Charlottesville and Albemarle County and the beginnings of the process of emancipation for 14,000 enslaved residents here. Can you tell us a little bit more about the history of these days in the Charlottesville-Albemarle area? What was it like on that day? Yeah. Well, the people who can tell you better than me are the folks at the University of Virginia, now Center for Civil War History. And on Monday night, March the 2nd at 5, they're going to have some presentations on Black liberation in Civil War Charlottesville and also uh, fighting for freedom, Albemarle County African-American men in the U.S. colored troops. Basically, what was happening was that General Early of Earliesville fame, you know, he was a Confederate general, and he was defeated by the forces of uh, United States cavalry. And so that happened at the Battle of Waynesboro on March the 2nd, and this allowed the Union forces to enter Albemarle County and Charlottesville, and, and including the University of Virginia. And so it was there on March the 3rd that the mayor of Charlottesville and the of the university and Professor Minor of Minor Hall fame at UVA. They stood at the side of what's near the, the UVA chapel and uh, waved the white flag at uh, approaching Union cavalryman and uh, basically said that they weren't planning to fight back or defend themselves and they asked for the Union soldiers to post a guard there and to basically not ransack the university. This was done uh, and this kind of completed the surrender of the town as it were. And what we know is that during this time, what's exciting and what these, what Liberation and Freedom Days is celebrating uh, this first week of March is that a lot of enslaved people took advantage of the fact that Union forces were there and they took the opportunity to escape, to leave the places where they'd been forced into labor. We have different accounts from different points of view of those days. We have the accounts of enslaved people themselves, and we will be sharing some of those you know, during the week. We have the accounts of the enslavers, in some cases, uh, out in the county, and also uh, university professors. And we have the accounts of Union soldiers, you know, what they recorded in their diaries. And it wasn't this kind of perfect emancipation uh, experience. There, you know, there were people running away and, and looking for food, and, and this was kind of in fits and starts. But these were the first days of emancipation. Not everybody got away, but some people did take advantage and, and left town. Others took the first steps you know, toward emancipation. So we want to celebrate these days and mark this actually as a victory 
It's a victory for our emancipation, and that's what we want to celebrate. The Charlottesville City Council has, you know, made a proclamation on this day every year for the last, this is now the fourth year of this annual commemoration. And in the last year, the Charlottesville City Council took the step of rescinding the official holiday recognizing Thomas Jefferson's birthday and instead substituted this day, Liberation and Freedom Day, as a way of saying we want to foreground in our celebrations, in our community celebrations, commemorations of freedom and inclusion for all people. So that's that's what we're that's what we're doing with this. And so we have a whole a whole raft of events, the first through the eighth of, of March, and you know, we hope the community will, will come out. How did Liberation and Freedom Days get started here? Yeah, well, the Blue Ribbon Commission on Race, Memorials, and Public Spaces met for about six or eight months during 2016, and they had a, a series of bi-monthly hearings, you know, in public meetings. And the members of the Blue Ribbon Commission did a lot of research, you know, a lot of work to kind of excavate the history of our community. And one of the facts that was before 2016 was just kind of not really talked about much and very little known was the fact that at the time of the Civil War, and indeed for much of the 19th century, the majority of the local population here was enslaved. The outright majority. And so with that kind of historical fact being brought more and more to the front during the BRC hearings, one of the recommendations that the BRC made in their final report to city council was that the city recognize this day, March the 3rd, to celebrate the arrival of Union troops to kind of turn this lost cause narrative on its head that had been the kind of conventional narrative about the Civil War here in Charlottesville. And the history is that most of the community here was enslaved. Most people here were elated and relieved and jubilant when Union troops arrived. And we have the receipts to prove it. Uh, you know, one older gentleman saying, I prayed and I prayed for you to come. And now you're here. Glory to God. Other accounts of Union soldiers and emancipated people sharing food rations with one another you know, an account of an of older enslaved woman when her community gets the news, kind of spontaneously composing a song. You know, there's just some really beautiful accounts that we haven't really had access to in the broader community. And so what we're trying to do is to surface these histories and to make it kind of public history, community history. It's, it's history that everyone has ownership in. And this stuff actually happened here, you know, uh, and that's what's beautiful about it. Where can people go to see some of these excerpts from diaries or the... Yeah, well, they'll be performed, you know, at various events during Liberation and Freedom Days, and I'll kind of call attention to a, a couple things here. I mean, Sunday, March the 1st, kind of the kickoff day at 5.30, there'll be a vigil at the former site of the slave auction block in Court Square, and there we will be reading the words of enslaved people from our community and their reflections on being sold at Court Square. So we'll hear their words then. Uh, and we'll actually hear the recorded voice of one of them. It was a very old man at the time that an interview was recorded with him with Fountain Hughes. The big day is Tuesday, March the 3rd, and there'll be events starting at UVA, which is very appropriate, starting at the chapel, actually. If you listen, if your audience will listen, at about 3.50, you'll hear church bells pealing, and that is an announcement of the arrival. And then at 4 p.m., uh, a reenactment will take place at the scene, at the chapel, of the emancipation of formerly enslaved people. So we'll hear words from the enslaved there. And then also words from the descendants of enslaved people. That evening, uh, Tuesday, March the 3rd, at the Jefferson School, there'll be a community dinner and a panel discussion by the descendants of, of local enslaved people to kind of reflect on what these freedom narratives meant to them. 
So it's at these events, like on Sunday, March the 1st at 5.30, Monday, March the 2nd at 5 p.m., and Tuesday um, at, at 4 p.m. This is when we will hear the words of the emancipated peoples themselves. What was the process of lining up these events like? What voices were you thinking about? How did you all go about crafting this whole schedule? Well, um, so I am an advisory board member at the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center, where Dr. Andrea Douglas uh, is the executive director. And so she and I basically just sent out an invitation, you know, to as many people as we could think of from the community, from, you know, various sectors of the community, folks working in the nonprofit world, folks doing, you know, various public history entities around town, you know, Virginia Humanities, Monticello, etc., members of the local descendant community, folks from different UVA organizations as well, church organizations. And we just kind of threw out a wide net and we said, come and, and, you know, throw in your ideas. And so basically, I mean, Liberation and Freedom Days, and we unpacked it over the whole week because there were so many different organizations around town that wanted to do different ways of celebrating these days, you know. And so there's just all sorts of kind of different entry points for different people in the community. If you like art, the Albemarle and Charlottesville Public High Schools art students have an art show that's on Thursday, March the 5th, and that's out at the shops at Stonefield at the art gallery out there at 6 p.m. on on the 5th. You know, so there's art, um, there's singing. Uh, On Wednesday, March the 4th, there's a great, you know, event at First Baptist Church on West Main, the Aeolians of Oakwood University, you know, wonderful choir from a historically black university. There are just so many different entry points here. If you're kind of a history buff and you want to come listen to presentations on the history, you can go, you know, on Monday night and hear that. If you want to kind of participate in a religious ceremony, a vigil, got you covered, you know, on Sunday night and, you know, so many other events. Also, it's important to mention since it was the Blue Ribbon Commission that really brought this to the community's attention in 2016 that brought to our attention the majority of people here, the the people with the most to gain and to lose with the outcome of the Civil War, were enslaved. So some of the members of the Blue Ribbon Commission are going to be speaking to the public, just kind of a retrospective panel discussion, and that'll be Saturday, March the 7th, at the downtown library on the second floor in the McIntyre Room at 3.30. Definitely check out the calendar, you know, at jeffschoolheritagecenter.org and plug into these, you know, various events. So we just put out an invitation to various members of the public to come and to suggest their ideas. And everybody had a lot of ideas. You know, we had, you know, school teachers, you know, art teachers. We had musicians. We had actors. We had religious leaders. We had scholars. We had members of the descendant community. You know, just a lot of different people were contributing their ideas. And we've got a wonderful collection of events. Yeah, so, I mean, there's everything from a celebration of Ghanaian Independence Day to a vigil Mm -hmm. at the site where the enslaved people were auctioned that you were talking about. How did you all think about balancing the various tones from celebration to mourning or various, like, meditative exercises? That's a good question. I mean, it just kind of emerged organically, you know? People that came and just had ideas, you know, these various organizations, and and it just it just kind of turned into you know quite a variety, you know, of offerings that are there. In, in that sense, we didn't plan it that way, but there's just a lot of different kind of entry points uh, for you know different moods, if you will, for reflection on these events. Could you tell me just a little bit more about this group of local descendants? You know, in the past number of years, 20 or so years, Monticello has had their Getting Word project where they have gone through the archives at Monticello there and sought out the descendants 
of enslaved people that formerly worked on Jefferson's Monticello. And they've tracked down these descendants and they've gone and interviewed them and had over the past couple of decades, you know, there have been numerous reunions. Uh, one of the largest ones was, you know, year last summer, I think it was, um, that they'd had so far. And then there have been other public history um, institutions in the area. Uh, Montpelier also is doing this kind of work with the slave descendant community. And then, of course, you know, University of Virginia as well as a monument for enslaved laborers going in. And we're going to have an event there during Liberation and Freedom Day on Tuesday afternoon. So all of these very wealthy, I should say, you know, entities that were founded by enslavers have done a lot of reflection recently and have started to kind of dig down, drill down, you know, and look at their origins as slaveholders. So with this kind of wealth of knowledge, coupled with the oral traditions that have been passed down uh, within these families here, some of them in the area that are still in the area, so it's been this kind of piecing together of archival and oral history sources and deliberate sorts of reunions and building up of organizations, you know, in order to have the descendant community here have more of a platform, you know, and there are, you know, just different programming going on. And so it's been really exciting in the last several years, especially there's been a lot more visibility, you know, of the, of the descendant community here locally with different events. For instance, just uh, several weeks ago, there was an event, a panel discussion at the Northside Library of descendants of the sale of Thomas Jefferson's estate, specifically of that lot, if you will, of 33 people who were sold in front of the Eagle Tavern downtown in, in Court Square. So the descendants of that sale were part of a panel you know, and they were discussing their family's history. And that was several weeks ago. It was a packed house. It was standing room only. People are hungry. People in Charlottesville are hungry to learn more about our history. There's a real passion here about public history, and people want to learn more. And then, of course, you know, recently the slave auction block marker was stolen, you know. And that really, you know, kind of, uh, there was a lot of angst in the community about that, you know, and, and disappointment, and also just kind of a hunger for more, you know what I mean? I think, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, as there's more and more knowledge about this history and as uh, the voices of the descendant community are coming more and more to the fore, people want to learn more. They're demanding more and better public history. And so that we're really grateful for the leadership, you know, of the descendant community for sharing with us, uh, you know, the, the histories of their family, which are the histories of the entire Charlottesville community. It's very profound that people could come back together generations later after something that was so deliberately meant to divide people absolutely. like an auction. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it speaks also to the, the fierceness, you know, of the African-Americans forging, you know, of family ties and, and the deliberateness with which people sought out uh, relatives or also created kin, you know, when they found themselves in, you know, in situations where they were being enslaved together and, and, and forging those connections. So yeah, it definitely speaks to kind of profound uh, sense of kind of establishing connection between these communities. So recently we've had a few conversations about racial justice and the various spaces of our community. How should community members, but especially white people, approach these Liberation and Freedom Day events? With respect, listen. This is a time to, you know, to maybe just take it in. You don't need to speak. There's plenty of information and art and emotions, you know, and, and many things that are being shared here. And just listen. Take it in. Resist the urge to kind of step into that space. Just listen and see what you can take away and learn. Some members of the African-American community, you know, some of this, you know, brings up some pain that's associated with this. And it's not for everybody to come out and want to be in public and remember some of this stuff. 
Now, there are some people who, remember the African-American community, the descendant community, who are more comfortable with that, and they have been making their voices known in these various forums around the community. Not, not everybody's in the same place, no matter who they are. You know, if they're the descendants of enslaved people or the descendants of enslavers, you know, or some combination thereof, because we've got a lot of that here, too. And so people are at different places. And so for these people who are stepping out, you know, during Liberation and Freedom Days and are putting themselves out here to provide programming for our community, let's take that in and let's say thank you and let's mull over what we learn from these presentations and the, this sharing that's going on. It's, it's very brave. How can we continue to be aware of and celebrate the history of African-American people in this area during the rest of the year? <laughs> yeah, right. One of the nice things about Liberation and Freedom Day here, you know, here in Charlottesville is that it follows uh, Black History Month, you know, in February. So this starts here on March the 1st. I mean, I think there, there's a lot of programming that's going on um, around town in various venues throughout the year. I mean, certainly the Jefferson School Heritage Center, African-American Heritage Center. You know, Monticello, Montpelier, Virginia Humanities, you know, sponsors uh, a lot of events. You know, so there's a lot going on in lots of ways to plug in, you know, to celebrating African-American heritage and, and, and culture here. And then also just the kind of ongoing struggles for justice, you know, that, that are going on. That we're still living within the legacies of white supremacy. So to be plugged in, you know, when there are discussions, public discussions and about, uh, for instance, affordable housing, you know, or policing, you know, and the injustices in these systems. This is part of the legacy of that. And it's always the right day, <laughs> any time of the year, to struggle for justice and, to, you know, to get involved in those issues. If you want to see a full schedule of the events for Liberation and Freedom Days, which is March 1st through the 8th, go to jeffschoolheritagecenter.org slash events slash liberation. You're listening to Soundboard here on WTJU 91.1 FM and the Virginia Audio Collective. Both are a service of the University of Virginia. However, opinions expressed on this show are not the positions of the University of Virginia. WTJU is supported by the Southern Environmental Law Center, celebrating 30 years of protecting the South's environment and the people who depend on it for health and well-being. Power of the Law, Southern Environmental Law Center. Well, that does it for this week's edition of Soundboard. Please subscribe and share Soundboard with your friends. My name's Mary Garner McGee, production assistance this week by Sabrina Moore. Our theme song is Kyoja Beat by Marin Alasco and Jay Pun. This is Soundboard. Catch us at seavillesoundboard.org.